0: Today's going to be all about property management, and we have regional vice president at one of the nation's most successful and largest apartment management companies. His name is Nathan Ridgway with First Communities. He's going to be in the show today, so the focus is going to be on property management, and it's going to be pretty cool. If you're interested in investing passively in a syndication, man, we'd love to have a conversation with you. We're at NighthawkEquity.com is our, is our investment firm, so head on over to NighthawkEquity.com and schedule a call with us, and we'd love to share with some some upcoming opportunities with you want to shout out Cesar Costa, who left us a review on Amazon. It's a great book on real estate and multifamily investment. and gives an easy to read and complete overview of the key concepts. I've been studying multifamily investment for a while, and this is one of the greatest books out there. Thank you so much. If you've not read the yellow book on Amazon, just look for Financial Freedom with Real Estate and you shall surely find it. But don't read too many books and listen to too many podcasts as at one point, If you decide that multifamily investing is for you, if you think that's going to bring you financial freedom, which it is, right? If you start believing that, then it's time to invest in yourself. And if that's describing you right now and you value mentorship, check out our mentoring program at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor and schedule a call with us and see if mentoring is right for you. It's the best way to accelerate your results really scale your your first deal. And if you don't get a first deal in the first six months, then we'll continue working with you until you do with the only program that does that. So we'd be excited to have a conversation with you. On that note, I want to shout out two of our mentoring students, Jonathan and Jessica Mack, who did just close their first deal in August. I'm sorry, they're not mentoring students. But they have been one of our programs in August and they closed a duplex in December on an Aplex. So congratulations, Jonathan, and Jessica Mack, we track people who do their first deals and quit their jobs. We give them these freedom coins and you just have to acknowledge that we influence you in a significant way. And the book and the podcast are great ways or it could be a syndicated deal analyzer or one of our other programs. So check us out. We'd love to help you get to the next level. All right, with that, let's bring on our co-host, Garrett Lynch. What's going on? What's going on? So, we're talking a lot about property management today, and you know you, both you and I and even separate companies, we've been through various property managers before, and so it's a tough thing to get right, Garrett and you know, talk about an instance when we or you have had to change a property manager, like what was going on, and you know why did we know or why did you know in your previous company if it was time to make a change
1: yeah, so i' I've, I've seen this a lot, actually. So we in the very beginning of my career, we went through three property management companies in like I think like a year, which is insane. And so imagine you're not making any traction on any properties. The final straw for us was we found out that they were supposed to be passing bills through and instead they were taking the bills and marking them up and then making the difference, which was not in our contract. So fired that that company that ended abruptly and then actually, I vertically integrated at that point. I went and did my own property management company that had its own set of challenges that doesn't solve all your issues necessarily. So you know I think you know we've I've seen it many times, but a big one, big thing to look out for is you have to be able to control your spending. So if you're, if a management company is spending your dollars and they don't let you control what gets spent, that's a huge red flag. And I've seen that before where they'll just empty the bank account and you're like, holy cow, that is not good. And and then you're in a really tight spot. And so if, if you guys see that, I've seen it more than once. Man, Don't do that's- it. That's.
0: That's the toughest thing. It appears to me that property management companies have the toughest time with that. They can do stuff about, you know, lease up and maybe collections to some degree, but the weakness, the Achilles heel really is, is expenses. And, And we've had to make changes there as well, because like you're, like you said, they're like, dude, we have a certain amount of money in the account. You can't, you can't spend more than this. Okay. Boom. They spent more than that. Now, now the distributions are gone. Or the construction money is gone. You're like, where does this money go? Was this and so a lot of and this is really pay attention to, to this. What are the property manager systems for? Because here's the thing: there's bookkeeping and accounting, right? And they're tracking a bunch of stuff, and there's a delay between, right? So they see what's currently and and then there's the, the people on the ground, the maintenance fee, and the leasing agents, and they don't know what their budget is. And even if they did, they don't know what they've spent here to date unless their system is good. Oh, my budget is five thousand dollars this month. I have spent. $5,000. I should probably not spend any more money. <laughs> Therefore, maybe I'll defer the next request to maybe next month. That's definitely a big one.
1: That And their ability to hire is really important. So if you guys think about any management company, what are you hiring a management company for? It's it's accounting and it's HR mostly. That's what you're outsourcing. Those two things is pretty much what you're doing in general. The rest of the stuff you kind of handle. So. They have to be good at those things, accounting and HR. So they have to be able to hire people well and then they have to be able to do your accounting. If they can't perform those functions well or at least moderately well, it's probably time to look at a different company.
0: Yeah. So we are interview here with Nathan and it's pretty cool because you have direct access to as a regional vice president at First Communities Property Management Group. Uh, this is a company that manages a large part of our portfolio in Atlanta and it's kind of cool. It's a little bit of fireside chat with with this with this guy, right? And it, you can see kind of how we're kind of, you know, interviewing him all the time. We're not interviewing. He's working for, with us already, but the conversation, how that's going and some of the questions that we're asking and from that you can glean how, how you should maybe interview property managers as well. But First Community is pretty cool. They were founded in 19 19- Seventy-eight. That's a long time ago. They've managed over 200,000 units in their history. That's crazy. They're in Washington, D.C., Dallas, Austin, Atlanta, which is where most of ours are now. Houston, Raleigh-Durham, Charlotte, Greenville, Birmingham, Nashville, and Central Florida. So if you're looking for a property manager in those areas, definitely take a look at them. But even if you're not looking for those areas, then hopefully you can use this in your own evaluation of your own property management company or if you're interviewing new ones. Let's get right here in the show with Nathan.
1: Nathan, welcome to the show today.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, man. So you're pretty decorated in the property management industry in general. And for those of you guys who don't know that Nathan's the regional vice president for First Communities, a company that we actually hired to work with us to keep our properties running well, and they've done a fantastic job. But Nathan, how'd you get into the industry? How'd you get started? Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again. So I got into the industry basically've I've been in the industry technically all my life. When I was a child, my dad was a an appraiser in the single family multi or uh, single family residential business. So you know I was I remember going to you know, out on appraisals and being completely bored and saying, I, I want nothing to do with this real estate stuff because all they do is take pictures and kind of you know add value to everything. But from there, he ended up, He ended up buying some single family residential that, you know, and mixed multifamily just on a smaller scale in Savannah, Georgia. So I I dabbled as a manager with that when I was in college and then I got my real estate license when I was in 2006 and I was in Statesboro and I'll never forget like getting that license, being super excited about it, being ready to take care of my family. And then, like, I go to the broker. I'm in. I'm in the real estate office, and the broker's like, "We're so used to getting so, you know, a lot more calls than this. It's it's always really hot. We're going to get some leads. I promise. Everything's going to come through." Obviously, little did I know that it was on the prefaces of that big, you know, recession, the Great Recession, the housing crash. So from there, I had to find a job and I had to figure out what I was going to do. And there's a local headhunter that's really popular named Dorothy Long, and she got me hooked up in the industry and I thought I was just going to roll in and be a property man. She was like, no, 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 let's, let's step it back a little bit. You got to be, you got to be a leasing consultant first. I started as a leasing consultant and worked my way up from there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to get to kind of the RVP level, it's, it's pretty, you know, you have to really be good to get to that, to that phase. So Nathan's one of the first people that we, that I was introduced to, you know, when we were, actually changing our, our management situation over over to first communities. And you know it was I remember the process now you know it was it was really cool to have Nathan come in and, and help with the transition. So when you guys get into you know sourcing and looking for clients and the client acquisition side, what kind of people typically come to you looking for for business and then do you guys just accept anyone or is there some kind of a vetting process?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. We get all sorts of people that are interested in in coming to business with us. The most the majority of our business comes through word of mouth. So, you know, we're connected with you now, which we have a great relationship that's building and and we love to connect with other people, but at the same time, you know, we want to be referenced by you, for example, to other people and vice versa. We want you to get a reference about us from other other clients. That's the best way that we've learned to really build relationships, so you know, in client and, and, and building our, our client inventory, because, you know, then you come to understanding who we are, what we're about, what yourself, you're getting yourself into rather than, you know, just being one of the top big dogs and getting a name out that way and not really having any frame of reference as to why they're coming to you in the first place. So that's, that's the biggest way that we build our business, for example.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, that's a really, really good point there. So you, when you get into a relationship with someone, obviously you know there is there's a bit of a process. Ours was a little bit faster, but you're getting owners. You know they typically have some kind of structure behind what they're doing, and so does your company. How do you guys mesh the two? Because that can be a challenge in itself. You've got maybe a, you know it's a company with a different culture over here. You guys have your processes and systems built. That can be challenging. What is What's your guys secret to making that work?
2: Well, I mean it doesn't work out in every occasion obviously. We we want to do the best that we possibly can for every client that we have and every client that comes to the door. So you you have that vetting process that you're mentioning and you kind of talk about things at the front end. And you hope everything's going to work out long term. But once you get into the business, you know, it's kind of like a marriage, you know, it's you got a relationship that you're starting, whether you're a newlywed and you're just getting started or, you know, this is your second marriage. I mean, you're coming into the to the relationship with, you know, trust issues and things that you really need to, you know, learn about each other. And that happens over the, the course of a long time. Obviously, we have some clients that we've had for You know, over 30 years, some relationships are really, really long. The business that we have has been around for over 40 years. So our relationships, you know, stem back to that time. And it's all about, in my opinion, and I think that all of the people in our company and our founders, our founder would agree with this, is that it's all about first choosing the right people that you have working for you and at the top of your organization. You know, people with character that is, you know, deeply embedded in with integrity. And people that are going to do the right things at all times and 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 also you know that they have that drive to do things right and to do the best that they possibly can in their business because you know you can have integrity but if you're not driven to do a good job for an asset that at the end of the day is not yours you're managing it for somebody else then it really doesn't matter how honest you are or how good you are you know you're going to fall short for what the client is looking for
0: you know, in hindsight, when we first got started, we were much too hands off with our property managers. We were like, wow, the property managers, really, we need to empower them to manage everything. And so we were—we basically just, you know, looked at numbers and reports early on and looking at other or, or our peers, many of them, I mean, not all of them, but some of them are almost... You know, integrated somehow with our property manager, like to in a, in a weird point. But the, the bottom line is that most sy- experienced indicators us now also are much more actively involved with our property management company before. So there's maybe two extremes, right? One's too hands off. One's too involved. Where is the sweet spot for you? What does that look like? What do you see working between property managers and owners?
2: You know, I wish I could give one answer to that, but it's every client, every management comp, asset management company is different. Every Management company is different, but for us, as long as we go into the conver- the, the relationship, understanding that there's going to be some trials that come up, and and we're just going to do our best to talk through them. We're going to do our best to work through them. We're going to be transparent and honest about the things that are causing us hassles and thing. And we want you as a ownership group to be transparent and honest with us with the things that are causing you, you know, the most amount of worries at night as well. I think that the sweet spot really comes down to anything that is going to impact the team's ability to get the job done or to spend time with their teams or their clientele then you might you might be overstepping your boundaries because if you're hindering us from doing the job that you're paying us to do whether it's working with our team members or it is working with our residents then we're going to have a challenge performing for you. You know, if we're sp- spending so much time on phone calls, because there's you know a lot of situations where there's a, you know there's a lot of lengthy phone calls that you know you want to get all the information you possibly can. Well, every minute that we're spending on the time with the client, we're not spending that time developing our team, and we're not spending our time you know working on these relationship building with our, our residents as well. They're all crucial. We need to be able to keep you informed. You need to understand what's going on in your properties. We totally understand that. But at the same time, there does need to be a nice, healthy balance of giving us our time to make sure that we're performing for you the best.
1: So they're coming with, I would assume you're getting clients that are coming to you with broken properties. It's not, you know, they're typically coming to you because they had a bad experience somewhere else and they're looking for a solution. So your guy's job essentially is to come in and figure out the problem with the property or properties and fix them. What is your guys kind of process for for analyzing that and then then working towards a solution?
2: Well, the first step is always to get the most amount of intel that we can from you and that, you know, what you're bringing to us. That is crucial because every property is different and every property, whether it's a new property that we're going through due diligence on and we're onboarding and you have no experience on that property or it's a property that you do have experience on, information is vital. So we need as much information as possible step 1 to be able to to be able to get the job done as best as possible i think the process is you know really just diving in learning the property on our own obviously and talking and and working with the the people that are on site hopefully you'll be able to maintain a strong manager that's on the site when you take it over because you know that obviously as everybody knows can do a lot of damage to a property one person can bring a property down pretty fast so hopefully you've got a nice connection, whether it's on the maintenance side or on the property management side that can really give you the information you need so that you can build off of that and you're not working from scratch.
1: Yeah, I, re- I remember we had uh, one of our more challenging properties. This was before you guys, but it was in Arkansas. We couldn't figure it out. We're like, this is just the most challenging property ever. And we sat there and it was like, okay, that, that site staff has never been right. And, and the first thing I had to do, even though it was painful, was fix that. Once that was fixed, it's like, okay, then things got better. And we've seen that kind of progression over and over again, where it's like, you know, you, you have to focus on fixing the staff. And one of the cool things about when we moved over to First Communities is we, we were like, you know what, these guys have economies of scale inside of the market that we're, we're in mostly you know being able to have those kind of resources on a local level is i think super important as as an owner you want to have that kind of those kind of abilities to tap in what kind of market i guess your market like dynamic have you guys or or the the inflection into the market have you guys been able to make in order to attract clients inside of atlanta
2: um well you know Most of what we've been able to do inside of Atlanta, again, goes back to word of mouth. You know, we have established a very strong relationship for a long period of time in this market. This is where we started. This is where we were founded. So this is where, you know, got going and people know us for that. So thankfully, this market is a pretty easy one for us to handle. Now, if you start to ask us what we're doing on other markets, it's a little bit more complicated. We want to make sure that we understand the market well before we just dive into that market. So got, how
1: do you guys how do you guys select what markets you're going to go into?
2: You know, a lot of times we won't even go into a market if we don't have a presence there in the first place. We are in markets where we have some one-off properties and they're challenging. In fact, right now I'm going through a challenging property that's in in another state and it's alone by itself and there's no one there to go pick up the pieces when things fall apart. So, you know, you don't have an on-site team ready to jump into that I mean a regional team ready to go in there and start fixing the problems. So thankfully again, with Atlanta, we have a big bench here. We have a lot of properties. We have a lot of people that we can kind of pull on as resources. We can depend on each other from a corporate level, regional level to figure out solutions to problems. But you know, if we have a, a property that's an unless unless that we feel we have a, a long relationship with a, a client or a good established relationship with a client, we likely would not go into a market that is a one-off market. We would select markets where
1: it puts you guys behind a little bit because you're like, listen, we we just don't have the resources here. Realistically, we'll do it as a favor type situation, but we're starting behind the eight ball here because we just we just don't have the same influence inside inside of the market. There's other people that may have those relationships already built that exist. So, using your guys' strengths, how do you guys really lean into your strengths? In that capacity, what kind of how are you building benches and what kind of resources are you able to obtain being local in a market
2: yeah so this is the most challenging thing that we have going on and one of the things that we have going on in meetings every single time we meet from a corporate level we're talking about how we could build our bench how we can strengthen our bench and how we can you know use our resources and I honestly I can't tell you how many conversations that we have about this ongoing what we want to do is make sure that we're using where we have access and we're using, the best technology possible to be able to track the cl- the people that are out there. You know, I don't want to get into too many details but we're exploring some things right now. We're just willing to do whatever it takes to outsource, you know, people into our environment and and try to make connections that will help us build our our especially on the maintenance side where we're having the most amount of troubles. I mean, we've tossed around ideas like schools and and tech schools and and building those and you know, outsourcing people from other countries. I mean, we're, we're thinking of everything that we possibly can to build our bench. I would say that is what makes us successful in Atlanta the most, is that we have our people here. we are Our, our corporate office is, is located in Sandy Springs. So we have the ability to kind of like get together and all, all put our heads together to try to solve this particular market and go out and see the sites and go out and talk to the people. And, you know, we're at a grocery store and we're talking to a great clerk that you know might be a good leasing associate you never know my point is that you're always you're always trying to to find people that could be a good resource for you here in the city you know going back to going to other markets though like you said it's just you're behind the eight ball you can't really establish those types of relationships and there are plenty of we probably could have be a very we're a mid to large company in terms of how many units we have overall we could probably be a huge company by now but we don't want to sacrifice our relationships with our clients in the middle of that, because then all along the way, what kind of you know relationship are you steamrolling with your clients that have properties in I don't know Tulsa, Oklahoma? I hope we don't have any properties in Tulsa. <laughs> 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 but
0: yeah, it's funny because you feel like you're you're doing your owner a favor, like if you had long relationships and you go into a new city. And we've had a property manager where we kind of did that. we worked with him for years, and we're like let's go into this new city. And they're like, oh, we've not in that city. Oh, come on. And we said, okay. And the results were very, very mixed. And they were trying to, of course, you know, help us. But at the same time, they don't have the bench that you're talking about, the resources there. And so therefore, they couldn't perform in the same way that they did in their core. And so you know, sometimes I look at it and go, you know, it's probably a mistake for us to ask them and, and a mistake for them to agree to do it. And I, th- I think the bench is everything. It is everything. The, the leasing agents, maintenance staff the processes you have, it's, it's everything. And that's really what makes you guys so strong is, uh, is that you bench you have in a particular area. But I think that that was a mistake that we made early on. And we should have just sim- simply gone to a new city and find someone who's got a deep bench in there. Yes, now you're dealing with another property manager with a different system, which is also irritating. But it's still going to get better results, I think. I mean, we can debate that later on. But I think that was a mistake that we had made.
1: This is a little bit of a a niche question, but I think it's probably on everyone's mind. How do we solve the maintenance crisis, if you will? So for those, just a little bit of background guys, There's like, and a lot of you probably know that they're listening right now, but there's, it's kind of like a dying art in a way where you just, there's not as many people looking to, to be in this particular area of the industry. So it makes it more challenging. I think if you're in like a secondary or tertiary market where it's really thin labor pool in, in, in the side, but it's just struggle in general. And every site needs, you know, three maintenance guys, two, three maintenance guys. And if, you know, it's, it's very, it's hard to find those, but I'm just curious. So I'd love to get your insight. Like, how do we, how are you guys kind of overcoming that, that issue for the most part?
2: So, for the most part, in the markets that we have good bench strength, we're able to kind of help sometimes here and there. We're building out different teams of floating people that we can, you know, use in different properties. You know, one of the challenges that we're coming across was prior to the pandemic, there were and these employees were starting to go work for hotels, and, and these maintenance guys were starting to go work for hotels. The reason was they were staying inside all day long; it was cool and and everything. And then they're also not on call as frequently, or they sometimes not on call at all so trying to overcome those barriers is going to be the i think the biggest thing that we can do to take the next step so you know how can we support the teams to reduce maybe the amount of on call hours how can we support give the people the knowledge to be able to grow and they feel like they actually have a future within this maintenance organization to grow into different positions within our company or additionally we want to take off the burden as much as possible that we can of the scheduling or the, the unnecessary calls, like a call center, for example, to do troubleshooting and, and things of that nature rather than sending out that's the hardest part, right? Being sent out, these guys to be sent out on Saturday at 2 p.m. when they're with their family and they get there and then they flip a breaker to turn the air conditioner back on. You know, like it's just <laughs> these poor guys, they're they're suffering, their life is suffering in that regard. So understanding that, I think is the the number one thing, that, you know, to start, you have to understand those problems that they're dealing with and then work to overcome them slowly but surely now we're you know we're outside the pandemic for the most part right we're we're on the other side but we're just you know a lot of these people like you said it's a dying art they've moved on they're doing other things some of them retired it was already kind of getting to be a dying you know, group of people, not literally, but you know, they're getting, you know, the the group of people were getting aged and, and, you know, they didn't want to be out on the sites as much then the pandemic hit. And now we're kind of in the situation. So it is very tough. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, lie. Obviously, you know, that you, you and I have talked about it plenty of times, but we, we think that we have a good, a few good plans in place to really help us turn that around without sharing all our secrets, but we're definitely trying to do some things.
0: If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you and set up a a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor.
1: Nathan, so you guys have been around since 1978, and that is such a long time. You actually, and this is public knowledge, but you, you know, you at one point left the company and came back to the company. What are you guys doing over at First Change? Without giving away all your all your secrets, like you mentioned, what do you guys do differently than other management companies out there that set you guys apart to create this kind of special organization?
2: i get a little excited talking about this honestly i appreciate you mentioning that this is there's no secrets here honestly i talk about this when i'm talking to candidates for employment i talk about it with you guys it comes down to having a great group of people at the top of our organization really you know from the founder to now our ceo mitch harrison and 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 all the other guys are at the top and and girls are at the top of the structure they're just good people that want to work hard and are are smart you know they're intelligent people that they want to and they want to put their best foot forward for the business they really care not only about first communities and our long history but they care about the people that they're working with so we establish those relationships and we give you you know a lot of times as much as we can we try to give a dedicated regional obviously if you only have a couple properties we can't do that but we're always we're always thinking about our relationship with the ownership company how can we best. How can we make them the most satisfied with who they're dealing with and the people that they're dealing with?
1: Yeah. And, and dealing with that, Nathan, so just in general, how would somebody that's like an owner or syndicator like us, how would they select a, a good property management company? Like there's, it's not a fit, like us with you, we work through our initial relationship and it's becoming a really great thing, but, it, but there's other organizations out there, other owners that are probably wouldn't be a great fit with you guys. How should someone on the ownership side go and vet a property management company?
2: Yeah, I think what you did was perfect. We got on a you know a camera like this, and we looked each other face to face, eye to eye, and we talked about you know obviously if we can meet in person, that's the bet, that's a better situation. If we could go you know have a meal together, we can talk and and discuss business. It's kind of like hiring a uh, for me, it's kind of like hiring a a new employee, right? The best situation is you can you can get in is to kind of like get to know each other. Get to know, because that's the first part. The, how is the relationship? What kind of what kind of trust do you guys have with one another? So I'd say the first initial step, of course, is just to not just take a phone call, not just talk word of mouth, but also just really kind of spend some time on a video call getting to know each other or in person if, if you can.
0: How frequently do you meet with the ownership? And then what do you guys review or what reports do you share? What, what metrics, what does that look like?
2: Are you, when you say who, how frequently you do what what people like for example myself or or who, who else?
0: yeah so so a, 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 someone who's maybe not gotten into a syndication before or they're struggling with their property manager what is your cadence for interfacing with the ownership is it once a week for how long and then what do you guys review on that call what have you seen working yeah. there
2: again this goes back to our desire to you know make every client as happy as possible and satisfied as possible so it really comes down to what their wishes are when it comes to what we're reviewing but the metrics that we generally have and this goes different from client to client is we'll share a weekly report with our with our clients uh, about their property and how they're performing and and those weekly reports vary again from client to client you know i've seen some that have four tabs and and some people some ownership groups come back and say we don't even want that information and then we have some others that that have 15 tabs and we're talking about you know the details of every single person on the ar Those are the extremes where I would say that there's that balance you're starting to interfere with. But at the same time, we have a monthly financial report that we provide on a, you know, after vetting the financials out with the ownership group. So we'll send those out in a packet that you can then give to your investors or whoever that you have that you're working with or however you want to keep those. And it's just an ongoing conversation. We're open. Our regional manager. that's what I'm saying earlier, giving you the right people, the people that want to be, they're not just focused on first communities, but they're focused on your behalf and and being successful for you, letting y'all have that relationship and letting it be as fluid as you need it to be to give you the information that you need is what we do.
0: When property management and asset management in general, I mean, things just move really slowly. Like it's just, oh my gosh, the occupancy is low, collections are low. We have an issue with blah, blah, blah. And then you do a bunch of stuff and it just takes so much time to, to show an effect you know, what is your advice to someone maybe who's struggling with a with their property manager and they're watching these metrics? And because you have to give it time, right? But what do you guys do to set expectations with the ownership? What's reasonable, right? You can't expect occupancy to jump that 10% in 24 hours, right? It's just un- unreasonable. and And some inexperienced operators are frustrated by that. And, they might say, oh my gosh, we need to part ways when that's the worst thing you can do because any property manager is gonna it's gonna take a while to get up to speed. So how do you how do you manage expectations in in that way? So,
2: you know, I think the best way to manage those expectations is to have an open door policy, a responsive nature about you that you are you're open to collaborating with the the ownership group and really working through the challenges. You know, we ran it actually. Garrett and I ran into a situation where he, he presented us with a program and an idea to fix a problem. And maybe a stubborn management company would have said, no, I don't. I don't want you meddling in our business. We only the only times that First Community doesn't want the client meddle. It's your property, right? The only time we don't want you meddling in the business is when it's going to be something that is going to cause some sort of liability for you. It all falls back on you know what's the best interest for you. Of course, what's it's in our interest. We want to we want to be we want to go another fifty years. We don't want to end this after fifty years. So we want you guys to go have a long lasting relationship. So. I think an open door collaborative environment where we can talk through the challenges and we're not avoiding your phone call because we don't want to deal with the fact that, you know, our occupancy isn't getting isn't reaching the goal that we even we initially set as an, as an objective. Sometimes we set objectives, but we can't hit those objectives. We think that things are going to go better than they are, but we don't understand all of the things that are going to, you know, that are going to come from that. So again, keeping an open door. And then I, one of the things that I really liked what I learned when I was kind of younger in my career was, you know, there's nothing better when it comes to our relationship, there's nothing better than bad news than bad news fast. We should be telling you when there's something, when we're not hitting our targets or something happened on your property as soon as humanly possible, because it's going to be bad news for you. But if you wait, it's just festering. It's just causing you more anxiety and it's going to cause you more problems down the road.
1: Yeah. And what I I really liked also is, is you said, you know what, you hired us to solve problems. There's a lot of people, they think at least on our side, or if they're newer, they're like, oh, I buy a multifamily property and then I throw it to the property management company and that gets fixed and then it works and then we make money and and that's how it goes. And the reality is, is it's really, there are things that come up, especially if you have older buildings, there's going to be all kinds of stuff that you can't even imagine that happen and it's it's got to be a collaborative effort and you need, if you have a really good strong management company with smart people that can think through problems it's really what you need as an owner you just need someone that can that can go in there and you trust them to help fix your problems now there's going to be some problems that come up that maybe they can't fix on their own they need ownership input or they need resources or things like that as things go along and you know, I'm curious on on your side. What kind of resources could an owner bring into the relationship that might be helpful, just to keep things progressing along?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. One that I haven't really had to think of because we're always trying to solve problems, right? But you know, I think most importantly, the things that you can bring is is your experience and is your knowledge of of what you've what you've experienced. Now, if you're a relatively new investor or new ownership group, then this open communication that we have, Garrett, with one another, where we are in communication about what's going on, you being open to it is really crucial as well. Also, understanding, which are this is another big thing that I think is really important to this process, understanding what your Goals or objectives or property performance levels are for that property, understanding what your, you know, cash, what the cash on hand is going to be, where you can pull funds from other places in order to supply the business, understanding your resources is also really crucial. Because I I mean, in certain circumstances, just being open and transparent about hey, this property needs to be here by this point or we're going to have challenges. This is; These are the challenges we're going to face. And if you guys are being open and honest with us about those types of things, it kind of completely transforms the, the conversation for us and we have access to the resources that you have.
1: Such a good point. It's, you know, think of, think of like a, as an owner, you have all these goals that you need to hit on the financial side for your investors. You don't share those with the higher level people at the management company so that it can be properly conveyed down to this site they don't understand those goals, you're going to put yourself in a pretty bad situation. So for an example, we, we knew, we're like, hey, this is our plan for this site. We're going to refinance this one. The one down the street, we're going to sell it because of X, Y, Z. This is the timeline. This is how, how we're looking at these things. This is our financial situation in general with the lender. This is where we're getting pinched. They're, all those things are important to share with the management company. And you have to be in a relationship where you feel comfortable doing that. And so you know that's I think that's what's made our relationship successful is that we've been able to kind of help you guys understand that as they come up. And those kind of conversations are the, the ones you need to be having with your management company in order for everyone to succeed. So it's it's really cool. It's been you know it's been a really awesome experience seeing how we've been able to grow in our relationship and just see the progress that we've been able to make from where we were before. So, it's been been really cool having you on this show, Nathan. How can people get in touch with you or, or get in, involved with what you guys got going on if they want to?
2: So, you know, I can obviously share my email address and we can, you know, they can find our website. Or our website is very simple it's firstcommunities.com. So, you can find information about us there. That's the best way I would say. But my name is Nathan Ridgeway. So, it's in Ridgeway at firstcommunities.com. We have an open door, we're open to talk to anybody, but and I appreciate Garrett, you invited me on the show, but also really just the unique relationship that you just got done mentioning. It is it is really nice to have a relationship with ownership group where we're open, we're transparent. And also thanks for making this opportunity feel like one of those, just one of the Zoom calls that we have, not something where I feel you know nervous or, or overwhelmed. So I appreciate it. It's that. a conversation.
1: It's, it's a conversation. Cool, well, it's a fireside yeah. chat. Well, Nathan, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate you
0: coming on today.
2: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
0: Right, for for me, it's finding that right balance and in getting involved. Like I said on the show early on, we were far too hands off. We thought that our responsibility was to look at, you know, the kit, the reports every every month. And let the property manager do their job because we don't want to interfere with them. And now we know that that's two hands off. And there's some others who are much, 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 much more involved. And we talked about that as well. It can be distracting if the ownership is too involved because it distracts the PM from doing their, uh, their job. But I think, for example, like we weren't visiting the, the property regularly. Now we're visiting monthly. And when we go, we also talk to the staff. We see what's really going on. And doing that, you know, allows us to uncover things that maybe the regionals didn't even know about. They just didn't know about it. Or they were trying to hide it in some cases. And we discovered things that were going on. They're like, why do we not know about this? And we've uncovered many different that things that just by getting in there. And I don't know. I don't I don't think that's interfering, Garrett. I, I think that's, you know, trust but verify sometimes. I, I don't think you can just take your property manager and just just take everything they, they tell you. I think you need to audit, audit your financials every once in a while, audit the people every once in a while, and just kind of get more of a 360.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not just, you don't want to make it a relationship where it feels like you're catching them and stuff all the time. That's not, that's not how it needs to be. It's, it's a relationship that's like, we're going to be looking for these things. This is what we found. What are your guys' suggestion on how to fix it? That's how, that's like the healthy cadence of it. So it's like, hey, we, do, we ran an audit, we found these kind of these things that happen. We went and visited the site, We found these things. We wanted to bring it to your attention. Our job is not to catch you in these things because there's a million guys, there's a million variables that go into making one of these sites work properly. It, it's unlimited, the amount of variables. So it's not an easy thing. There's always going to be something missed somewhere. It doesn't matter how good your property management company, is doesn't matter how good you are. There's always some version of that. It's just, you want to make sure the majority of the things are going right. That's well, really that's, what it comes out.
0: That's with. a good point. And I, I know, I know, I think antagonistic is probably the right. You don't want to make antagonistic. You're another, another set of eyes because like you said, there's so much stuff going on. The regional sometimes doesn't even know exactly what's going on because they don't not talking to their person every day either. So it's more of a collaborative thing. Hey, here's what I discovered, you know, thought 100%. Like
1: yeah, that's the right. And if you have a healthy relationship with your property management company, That's how it's going to go. Because you're you're always going to find stuff. You're going to go run an audit on financials. Okay, this. You as an owner, you have to run audits. It's just part of it. You have to be looking for things to bring up. And then a lot of the breakdown is not necessarily the people. It's the process. So there's often, it's your process that's broken somewhere. And then you can go and fix that. Or the the way that you collaborate with your management company, the way your process is between the, the two companies, if you fix those things, a lot of things will change. And so, so that's, that's, if you have the common goal to work towards fixing those things, it can just get a lot better.
0: I think, you know, communication is key. I came up clearly. And then really addressing issues in a collaborative way, getting agreement and alignment. We want the same thing, you know, instead of being antagonistic. Like I said, it does take way longer than I always like it. Why is this metric like this? Well, we're going to do a bunch of stuff, but it's going to take a few weeks and it's going to, it's going to, you know, collaboration and communication and trust to some degree.
1: These properties are like big ships. Oh they yeah. They turn very slowly and you have to be patient as an owner, even with, if you're doing everything you can, that it's going to take a minute to get it back on track or things can fall off very quickly. And then they, to get them back, it takes a minute. So that's just the nature of the beast. And and generally if your management company is good, they'll get you there in a timely enough manner. And, and the way you convey it to your investors is, listen, we're in this for the long game. We're playing this. Often, your guys' hold time is five to seven years, maybe more. You just have to win overall. You're gonna, you may lose a few battles, but you're going to win the war.
0: And that's what I love about this, this business is that sometimes in the short term, we lose. But in long term, we almost always win, and 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 I think this is, goes across the, the board. Is even if there's a particular issue, even if something is going smooth, sometimes you know there's a management change somehow, and then all of a sudden you put, get a manager in there, and the, the numbers start going down, and then you you know you haven't been watching the property as, as carefully as before, before you, before you catch it, but. But it is really a long game and you have to educate your investors that you're playing in a long game. You know, just like me, I want, I, want, I want results now. And so the investors, but the investors have to understand that it is a giant ship that we're steering. So it's all about setting expectations.
1: Yeah. And you're dealing with people also, the unpredictability, not just people that are running your sites and, and you, the people that are there employed by you, but people that live there this is their home. So they're, they're very particular. They're very protective. This is their space to live and inhabit. And so you're dealing with those two things combined. There can be some unpredictability. Now, at the end of the day, you have a very solid asset with multiple homes inside of it in multifamily where it helps you hedge against that risk, but you're just dealing with a situation where there there is some unpredictability in there. So what what do we do as owners? We try to factor in that unpredictability into our performance when we're modeling our deals. That way, when things go wrong, it can absorb it. We're still absorbing things inside of it. We set, like my first two years, we're setting huge economic vacancy because we don't know what's coming in the first couple of years. And then we can fix things as they go through.
0: The bottom line is, first of all, the fact that we have professional property managers for this asset class is like wonderful. No other business has this built into it. Okay. You're not going to get it with restaurants. You're not going to get it with a software company. You're not going to get it with a nightclub. Okay. There's not professional managers out there you can hire and you can in this business. And there's, there's typically more than one, one choice you have. So it's, it's magical that we have this ability and, you know, the quality of your experience is directly dependent on the quality of your property manager, number one, and then number two, the quality of your relationship. With that, with that manager. So hire the right manager, and then build trust with that team. Spend time with your regional and your in your managers. Build that trust up. As something that Garrett, you've done very well. You've built trust at multiple different levels. So when we do need to pull a favor or there is some criticism, you've already built up that trust. So hire the right proper manager, and then build that relationship. Really, and this is again we we did not do that. We did not build that relationship in the way that we do now. And so that's absolutely key. And that is the key to success in scaling this business. So hopefully you guys got some. So go ahead. And here out of the interview today. Go out there and get some deals done. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblockcom vault to gain
2: access to our Freedom Vault.